This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. Okay, this is a famous Rambam. The Rambam, the is the Rambam doesn't have a single source for this, except for the riff. It's the riff of Rabbi Yitzhak Al-Fasi. Rabbi Yitzhak Al-Fasi was the great rabbi in Fez. That's why it's called Al-Fasi from Fez in Morocco. And he was the first one to codify the Talmud as a halakhic source. But he didn't do it in a very orderly kind of way. What he did was, he quotes the Talmud, the halakhic parts of the Talmud, according to where the Talmud is. Words, he's in Brachot, and the Talmud discusses the halakha and Brachot. So he makes his own version of Brachot, just halakha. He skips out all the arguments, he skips out all the stories. He just gives you the halakha, but according to where the Gemara puts it. The Gemara puts halakhot all over the place, different kinds of halakhot. So you may talk about Shabbat, you may talk about Kashrut, you may talk about Brachot, you may talk about 50 different things in the same tractate. So Rif didn't actually give it any context. He didn't put it in an index. He had no index. It's not in any form. It's in the same format as the Gemara. Number one is in Aramaic. Just quotes the Gemara. He just skips out all the arguments, all the fluff. That's just the bottom line. This is the halakha. Halakha like this, but it's in Aramaic. It's, it's the same language as the Gemara. He didn't change the language. That's the riff. So the Rambam came after the riff, but the Rambam did was a brilliant. Yeah, Rambam was brilliant. Why? His mind was like a computer. He knew how to codify everything in structured form. So all the laws of Shabbat in Shabbat, all the laws of Kashrut in Kashrut, all the laws where they should be, that's where they should be. Whereas the riff, it's like the Gemara. The Gemara is higgledy piggledy, it's all over. The Mishnah was in order, right? But the Gemara goes into tangents. When rabbis sit around, or students sit around, start asking questions. What about this? What about this? What about this? All of a sudden, you find yourself 20 miles away from the topic. Mm-hmm. Right? That's the language of the Gemara. And so if you codify the Gemara, it's all over the place. There's no index. It's very hard to write an index on the Gemara. Someone did just now, just recently. This is one of the uh, index. He wrote an English index of the Gemara. But where you're looking at the index, you don't know, there's 50,000 things in that Gemara. Index. So, say I want to look up, uh, give me an example. Borer. Uh, separation on Shabbat. So you'll find it gives you all the pages it's on in the whole Talmud. Amazing. And it could be in different Masech? Could be. Some things are. Depends on what it is. Depends on the topic. Some topics are mentioned all over. So instead of finding one volume, you're all over the place. You've got to pull ten volumes, five volumes. They're on sixty different pages. One one topic. So that's why today you have what's called Encyclopedia Talmudit. It's like Encyclopedia. I don't have pages now. There's, there's like... 30, 40, 50, I don't have volumes now. Every, every year they add new volumes. Because it's a massive topic. And they go into depth, into all the different discussions. It's, a, it's an encyclopedia on each discussion on the Talmud. So it's that much you can write. It's not just the Talmud, it's also the Rishonim, Achronim, everything, all the late authorities, the early authorities. So they bring down everything. It's like an, it's an encyclopedia. Encyclopedia is called Encyclopedia Talmudit. Amazing, amazing, amazing. Whatever. They're still working on it. Have a kolel of rabbis sitting down and writing parts of it. Amazing. But it's only for academic purposes, right? It's no, it's for top people who want to study the thing in depth. You want to study in depth. You don't just read the pages of Gemara. You want to study in depth. How do you right. how do you research a topic? So just like today, you have research medicine. You have research. You have encyclopedias, right? Medicine. We have encyclopedias on the Talmud itself is an encyclopedia. Right. It's an encyclopedia wrote on the Mishnah, but it's just not, not organized. It's not organized. So here they're trying to organize and, and discuss and go into detail what this means. So like Borel, how do you define Borel? The definitions, who says what, all everything is listed over there. It's beautiful, it's really it's a very good work, it's a masterpiece. It takes a lot of time, a lot of effort, a lot of research. It's like today, the lawyers get paid for research, you know? They have a case. 
Oh, my accountant, she wants money for research. What research are you doing? Well, parsonage, I know nothing about rabbis, and parsonage, I got the research. Okay, good, research. Now charge me $250 an hour for your research. Okay. Extra research. So it's better to get an accountant who knows these things, not get someone who doesn't know and then do, charge you for research. Right. <laughs> but that's a trick. It's a trick. Can you imagine a doctor charging you for research? Can I? No, no such thing, right? You know, you know everything, everything. You don't need research. You need to. I'm just saying, it's a, it's a joke. Imagine if Why does a lawyer have to tell a charge of research? Why does the account have to charge of research? It doesn't make sense. So they don't know. They don't know. So get a lawyer that knows. You know, ask someone who knows. But that's his research also. He's also asking research. Also research. Asking someone who's also research. Amazing. Who's writing this again? There's a kolel, whole kolel. I can't remember which kolel it is, but there's like 20 rabbis involved. Brilliant. All the geniuses. So it's called the Encyclopedia Talmudic. Just like it. Encyclopedia Talmudic. I don't have any volumes. See how many volumes they have now. It's amazing. Yeah, of course. And it's written in modern Hebrew. Modern Hebrew. But it quotes and it explains. It's amazing. So the Rambam gets this section. This is not in one place in the Gemara. It's from 50 different places. I don't know how many places he got it. He, got, he quotes it from the Rif. The Rif was written in Aramaic. So he said the first person to write these this list now, there's 24 things a person does for which it's very hard to do Teshuvah. It's very hard to do Teshuvah for these 24 things. Toramah says, I didn't make this up, this from the Rif. But I've seen the sources all over the Gemara. In other words, the Rif has a source for everything. He doesn't quote the sources. He just tells you these are 24 things. But where's his source? And the answer is from the Rif. Who's the Rif? Rav Yitzhak Al-Fasi. Now normally the Rif just quotes the Gemara. Over here, he actually made a list of 24 things. Yes, this is very interesting. 42 volumes. 42 volumes, so far. Started in 1942. Yeah. 42 volumes. Every, every year there's like one or two volumes. It's the slowest process. It's not going to be building, it's not going to be this. Now, who can, ha- who can have, you know, imagine going through 42 volumes, and that's just t- the tip of the iceberg. That's till now. Why? Because the tip of the iceberg in terms of Talmud. Because, yeah, Talmud, and then all the, all the Akhurim is still writing. Akhurim is still writing to you, but whoever writes a Tishuva, you've got to go analyze it and see where it fits in the encyclopedia. Rabbi Yosef says this, this. Rabbi Yashif says this, Rabbi Oybach says this. In the encyclopedias, it's all the opinions. So the opinions are still being written. There's more Torah written every day. Every day some rabbi writes a book. Yeah, it's written encyclopedia, yeah, micropedia. How many? 46 volumes. 42. 42 volumes so far. It's not ended. It's not finished yet. What do they have to get up to? Which letter do they have to? They go by letters of the alphabet. When like a regular saying, encyclopedia. When you're saying ra- rabbis, these like modern Achronim are writing more and more Torah. Yeah. Is it mostly? Halachic, compo- I'm talking about halachic. I'm saying, is it mostly composing various works into one condensed work? No. Or is not commentary? That's what the encyclopedia does. No, it they are of Professor Avram Steinberg. Who? What's the latest volume? What's the latest volume? Anyway, it's interesting. No, there's encyclopedia. the Judaism. You need an encyclopedia to understand. And know the topics and then find out what's going on with the topic. What, how, what does this mean? How do, how do you apply this? What are the opinions? It's, it's uh, like it's advanced, like science. It's like a science. Learn the Torah. But it's going to learn like, like a science. What does that mean, learn like a science? To know the material. You've got to gather all the sources, go through all the material, go through the historical layers. That's what we're doing. We go through the layers. Go through the developments. The development. The layers. I call it layers. So you have the Torah from Moshe Rabbeinu, which is the written law, and then you have the oral law built on the written law, which is a layer on top. Aleph till Lamed Aleph. Lamed Aleph, that's it. So we're in Lamed now, can you imagine? 
Mem, Nun, Samach, Ayin, Feir, Tzadi, Kof, Resh, Shin, Taf. Ten more, ten more letters to go. So you got, you got how many letters so far? You got 13 letters. See how many, show, show everyone the picture. That's the color learning to write this production of uh, Encyclopedia. Amazing, amazing. Can you imagine the way it's 1942? 79 years they're working on Encyclopedia. If they finish in 100 years, I'll be lucky. Wild. Hopefully they're going to computerize it. Yeah, of course. Hopefully you'll be able to download the whole, get it online, whatever. I think you have to pay a subscription fee. Whatever it is, it's worth it. Okay, so 24 things hold back the shuva. Rama says, I got this from the Riff. I don't know the sources he has, but the Riff has sources. I found different things around, around the Gemara. So imagine, the Riff was, did a first compilation of these 24 things that's, that stop a person from doing Teshuva or are hard to do Teshuva. So he says, look what he says. 24 things that stop Teshuva. What do you mean they stop Teshuva? So the countries say over here that normally Hashem helps a person do Teshuva. So the Ravad says over here, that a person commits more than one of these 24 deeds, his deeds will have a cumulative effect and the obstacles will be greater. In his commentary to the Mishnah, Ramam says, Hashem will not help the person to repent. So normally a person is helped by Hashem. The guy has second thoughts, or he has thoughts, something triggers his thoughts, that's Hashem helping him do Teshuva. But sometimes Hashem doesn't help him. So these are the 24 things Hashem does not help a person do Teshuva. What are the 24? Number one. So Ramam divides them into groups. He said, the first uh, group is because they're very, very heavy sins. What are the heaviest sins? Number one, a person causes many people to sin. So you're talking about a leader, like Yeravon ben Nevada. He set up an idol for the Jews to worship an idol. No, don't go to Yushalayim, don't go to the temple. You have to stay here and worship the idol, golden calf. Imagine. So now all the Jews are worshiping golden calves because of one guy. He goes, how is he going to do Teshuvah? I can do Teshuvah for myself. I can't do Teshuvah for all these thousands of people that sin because of me. So that is a very, very serious um, a sample of uh, Avera where it's hard to do Teshuva. I can do Teshuva for myself, I can't do Teshuva for someone else. So if I teach the wrong things, and people are doing things because I'm taught wrong things I'm teaching them, I'm held responsible for all they do. Unless they all do Teshuva, I can't do Teshuva. I try, I can try, but I can't do it because I can't fix what I did already. It's out. The issue is that a lot of so-called rabbis who ha- give types of lectures like that don't know they're doing anything wrong. Maybe they don't know. They, they, don't, think, maybe that, don't. Okay. they think that this so is So it's right. hard to do teshuva. Hard to do teshuva. Number two, a person who leads his fellow astray. Say, guys, a, a missionary. A Jew became a missionary, Jews for J. And he, he made all these Jews worship the wrong God. Can you imagine? He can't, how is he going to do teshuva? They still believe in J. He became Baal Teshuva, but how's he going to change them? So he has to go on each one to change, change them back. Part of job. Reinvent the wheel. Reinvent. So a person who's a missionary for idol worship or other religions, obviously, he's got to go and change everything. He can't do Teshuva. Is his Teshuva accepted? How could he do Teshuva? Unless he brings them all back. And if he is he not, so he not, he's going to be punished. That's very hard, very hard. Of course. Like Yeravon Benavai, says he, in Lohalek one of the rabbi, one of the kings who never had a portion of the world to come. Yeravon ben Nevat, classic. He never did teshuva. Nashe, machloket. Umar brings down machloket. Was he? He did teshuva in the end, but how can you told the people that? Exactly. So it's so hard. So that's why machloket. So Hashem has mercy on a person. Even then, Hashem. Made, that's what it says by Manasseh. Hashem made a created tunnel, a spiritual tunnel for his teshuva. The angels were all blocking his teshuva. Imagine. 
Which angels? Angels that were created by the sins of these people. Right. How can how can you let them do teshuva? All these sins are crying in front of God. She says, "I'll find a way." That's, that's amazing, amazing, amazing. Number three, a person who sees their child. This is very hard. This applies to us. You see a child, hopefully you have children, going on the wrong way. And you don't tell them anything. That's, if you tell them something, you tried your best, you give them a lecture, and they don't listen to you, and they're out of your house already, it's too late for you to do anything, obviously, what can you do? Like, uh, like uh, Yitzhak, what are you going to tell Yitzhak? He says, Yaakov, you know, didn't tell his sons anything till the day of his death. He said, if I, if I rebuke them now, they're going to leave me and go to Yitzhak. It's better they stay with me. It's amazing. Psychology, child psychology. Yaakov was the greatest educator we have because all his children came out, Sadiqim at least. He had some failures. Ruven and, and Shimon, Levi, he had some failures, but on the whole, they stayed within the path, which is a big success. So a person sees a child doing rush, he's a Rasha, and he didn't tell him anything. They rebuke him. David Amelech, for example, he never rebuked Avshalom. He never rebuked Adoniyahu. He never rebuked uh, who else? Amnon. He never. He never. No, he had a relationship. Right? On, on the surface. But he, uh, he was a murderer. He killed his brother. So he threw him out. And then he brought him back. It's very strange. Very strange. But, how, but these days, the, the parent-child relationship is a lot more complicated when it comes to... So you start from youth. We're talking about youth. We're talking about kids. Little babies. You start with your kids. If you don't tell your kids anything, little babies. Say he's playing with fire on Shabbat. He's doing something else Okay, he's a little baby. Okay, now he's grown up another year. Hey, he's a kid. Another year, he's a little kid. Hey, leave him alone. Leave him alone. Don't tell him anything. Okay, that's your fault now. Why did you tell him anything? It's your job to dedicate. So it's Shabbat, Muksa, they know these things. Kids know these things. But they also have to know that it's you're, you're serious. That you believe it. You know what I mean? If you don't believe it, if you're a hypocrite, the kids could smell it. They smell it. Plus, if they don't enjoy themselves, you have to make sure. Today, it's all marketing. It's not just celebrating Shabbat at home. It's also making Shabbat fun. Mm. <laughs> it's a very hard thing. You've got to make Judaism fun. Otherwise, you know what? Jews don't care. If it's not fun, we want fun. People today want fun. It's got to be a fun experience. Judaism has got to be a fun experience. It's got to be a happy experience. It's got to be a, a satisfying experience. Otherwise, people come, oh, it's very boring and tedious. I don't want to be around the Sabbath table. Why should I be there? I'd rather see watch TV. I'd rather go to a game. Right? It's going to be fun. So how do you make Shabbat fun? And the answer is if you're not singing on Shabbat, if you don't make it a happy atmosphere, people fighting at the table, there's no Dvar Torah, all these things, how are the kids going to be keep it up? How are the kids going to keep it up? Why, why should they keep it up? So that's number three. Number three is raising children. So by not admonishing them, by not raising them the right way, so a person tried his best. Obviously, he's not, he's not responsible. But a person didn't try his best. Didn't know. Well, if he didn't know, he's not, he's not responsible again. So obviously there's many cop-outs of these things. This is just general board headlines. That the father saw his son doing the wrong things and never told him a word. He could have opened his mouth. He could have said something. So now look at, look at the people who includes. Including the sin, all those who have the potential to rebuke others. And you don't. So the question is now, when do you rebuke when you don't rebuke? If they're going to listen to you, if, you, if, if, if a person knows they're going to listen to me, I'll tell them off. But I know they're not going to listen to me. It's by telling them, I'm going to cause them to sin on purpose. Mezid. So shogig becomes mezid, worse for them. So a so person is going to know when to tell people, when not to tell people. It's a hard job. It's a very hard job. So you can tell people, by the way, 
you can tell people so they don't feel it's directed to them directly. That's the best way to tell people. In general, you give halakha Shabbat. In general, people hear. Those who want to hear will hear. Those who don't want to hear, don't, don't want to hear. You can talk about Teshuvah. Those who want to hear will hear. Those who don't, don't, don't can talk about it. Put it on the internet. Whoever will, whoever will listen to it, listens to it. You're trying your best. But it's really up to them to eat. You, you give food. The mother gives food to the child. The child says, I don't like it. <laughs> you try. Okay. What do you like? So if it's a good mother, what do you like? Which part of the Torah do you like? You like uh, Musa, you like ethics, you like science, you like this. You have to make the Torah like a banquet. That's why he calls it Shulchan Aruch. Aruch, Aruch. It's a lay table, so pick. You want Hilchot Shabbat, you got Hilchot Shabbat. You, got Hilchot, you want to do the laws of wake up in the morning, you got the laws of wake up in the morning. You want the laws of civil laws, you got the civil laws, it's like a table. Pick. You like Kabbalah. Kabbalah. You like Kabbalah? It's not under Shulchan Aruch, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, right. it's under the table. It's under the table. But first, you've got to fill your stomach with meat and wine. Basar Viyayin. That's Halakha. Gemara, Halakha, Mishnah. Chumash. A person can live in the clouds, but they don't know the basics. Can you imagine a person learning astrophysics, but they don't even know laws of physics? So how can you learn astrophysics and astrophysics? Everything's based on it, one or the other. Okay, so number, th- so number three we said, a person seeing their children growing up and not telling them off. Or anyone, if you have, a ch- if you have the option to rebuke, and you don't rebuke, you don't tell them anything. A person, and included in this, the Rambam says, a person says, I will... I will sin and I will repent. I will sin and I will repent. It's very strange to include it together with one's child. It's a very interesting concept. Why would he include it with one's child? Anyway, so there's a famous story which we say in the Haftarah. One of the Haftarot in Zechariah. The prophet sees Yahushua Kohen Gadol. Yahushua is one of the last Kohen Gadols in the first temple. And he sees Yahushua Kohen Gadol is dressed in dirty garments. Why is he dressed in dirty garments? So he's, he's very worried. He sees the high priest dressed in dirty garments. Oh, so he's worried. So the Gemara in Sanhedrin says, in, in uh, Sanhedrin, in Sadi Gimel uh, Amud Aleph, Sadi Gimel Amud Aleph, the Gemara says that Yahushua Kohen Gadol had children who were marrying out for the priesthood. In other words, they were marrying women who they were not allowed to marry. Kohen's not allowed to marry. A divorcee. Uh, so he didn't say anything. Gerusha. right. So he didn't rebuke them, and that's why his clothes were black. Dirty, dirty clothes. So we see over there that a person is punished for even what? Not rebuking his children. So that's the case over here. But the question is, why is a person who does it, who says, I'll sin and not repent, or I'll sin and I will repent, why is that in the same category? So the answer is because the sin is now for the sake of repentance. I'll sin and I'll repent. I'm doing the sin so I can repent. The cart before the horse. The best thing is, don't do the sin and don't repent. Well, I'm, not, I'm doing the sin because I want to repent. What do you mean doing the sin? And some people say that was the sin of Adam. Adam Rishon said, I'll sin so now I can repent. I'll be a Baltish who is greater than a Tzadikamu. I'll taste the sin, I'll come back to God. Great, good job. Good luck. Uh, not really. So he knew that he was fine. This guy was an excuse. He follows his wife. That's an excuse. Because a man follows his wife, that's an excuse. He wants to make an excuse, he can make an excuse. He can say otherwise, he can say, My wife should listen to me. What do you mean I follow my wife? Your wife is uh, evil, you've got to change her. Like Ahab followed his wife, married Isabel. Why do you have to marry in the first place? So obviously he wanted to. He wanted to marry. Man's going to choose his wife, he's going to pick his wife. Yeah, but clearly if Hashem didn't want it to, to, for them to be married... So you could say that about everything. 
Why? You can say the man has no free choice. Everything is determined. That's the Arab. That's the so Arab. So why did they say everything oh. is ordained by God? I killed a guy, but really, Hashem wanted to kill him. It's not me. That's that was the excuse of the, of the Egyptians. The Egyptians said, "Look, Hashem predicted to Abraham Avinu, they're going to be four hundred years in a strange land, and they're going to afflict them. So we afflicted them. What more do you want, Hashem? We fulfilled your. You said they're going to be afflicted, so we afflicted them. You know, what Hashem says, didn't have to be you. It didn't have to be you. You chose to afflict them. So it's your free choice." So Hashem wants certain things to happen. Because who says you have to be the one to do it? The Gemara says you should try your best not to be the one to hit someone. Even though the guy is Chayab Malkut. Who says you have to be the Malkut? You have to give them the lashes. The guy is liable lashes. Who gives the lashes? Sanhedrin. No? The Sanhedrin. Who do they get? They get a higher guy. The Shamash. The, the Shamash of the Sanhedrin gives the lashes. Who says you have to be the Shamash of the Sanhedrin? Why do you have to be the one? Then Hashem finds someone else. Hashem wants to give the guy lashes. Who says it's going to be you? Don't, doesn't have to be you. So the thing is to try and avoid these situations where you have to be. And that's exactly what Hadgadiyah is all about. Hadgadiyah is, Hashem killed the Shochet. And he killed the Malachamah, killed the Shochet. Why? Even though it may be the right thing to do, who says you have to do it? It's your free choice. So we need Shochet. Who says you have to be the Shochet? It's not a good job. It's better to be a doctor and heal someone than be a Kavokian who kills someone. Why do you have to be? The guy wants to kill himself. Why? You have to be the helper. Help him do Abera. So that's a person who says, I will sin and then repent. Including this, is a person who says, I will sin and Yom Kippur will atone for me. Ay, ay, ay. So some people, they love Yom Kippur. You know why? I my sins and Yom Kippur will come. I'll be clean. That's not the way it works, unfortunately. Even someone is uh, sick and he asks him to be healed, so you must yeah. be able to heal. No, you can't be the, the doctor. Altamod Damrecha, Sayyel Advar all kinds of, Lifna Ivelo Temekshol, all kinds of Isurim in the Torah regarding that. So keep away. In Belgium, it's crazy to how. Belgium, Holland. Free, how, how free it is for. Uh, now they're in, in the, where, the West Coast also. Where? In, uh, where in the West Coast? Oregon. Isn't Oregon? Oregon. Are these laws crazy? So it's coming here, no. coming to a hospital near you. It's called an exit center. Where you exit this world. Okay, Barbara, listen. So we don't want to hear suffering. We don't want to hear this. Uh, so give them painkillers. What can I tell you? Morphine also kills, but not uh, directly. You should never know, but you have first got to know. It's better to get kapara in this world than in the next world. It's better for a person to suffer in this world from the frying pan to the fire. People think, you know, I'll get out of this world, get out of the suffering. Eh? What do you think what's waiting on you on the other side? People commit suicide, they think they're going to avoid the suffering. It's much worse. We don't bury suicides in the Jewish cemetery. You know why? Because they're screaming, they keep everyone awake. <laughs> what they're going through on the other side, like, unless they were crazy. It's literally because they scream? Not literally scream, I mean spiritually scream. You know what I'm saying? You want to disturb the dead over there, it's Sadiqi, where they bury, where they get a suicide over there, screaming, and go, hey, help, help, get me out of here. Yeah, they hear the groundhogs. You know, over here they hear the groundhogs. The groundhogs and the rodents and the um, and the insects and the worms, Barmenon. It's not very pleasant to think about it. 
We don't think about it. We don't think about it. We don't, we're not morbid. We don't think about these things. But the fact is, that's what's going to happen. That's why it's better to go to a, a Beit uh, Avel than go to a, a wedding. It's better to go to a, a house of mourning than to go to a wedding. Because a wedding is, is a, a laugh. Life is a joke. It's not a joke at all. Life is very serious. This is an examination over here. We have an exam. Is it a good exam? Well, if we're here, you're doing well. <laughs> Whoever's here is doing very well in the exam. Whoever's not here, hopefully they're in better places. Hopefully. So, that's what it says. These are the first criteria, the 24. Three levels. Number one, a person who causes the masses to sin. Very hard to do, Shuvah. Number two, a person who's a missionary who causes other people to sin. Pulls them to the wrong side. Pulls them to idolatry. Pulls them to Christianity. Terrible. He can't do Shuvah for other people. He's caused other people to sin. Number three is a person who raises his children wrong. How can you bring them back? You've got to go bring them back. Or you raise them wrong? You send them, the person who sends them to the wrong school, they learn the wrong things. It's terrible. It's very important to be very alert with one's children. Even if you send them to yeshiva, sometimes they get turned off at the yeshiva. Some yeshiva are good at turning people off. But it also depends on the kid. Some kids can't sit down. So you force them to go to a place where they can't sit and they get in trouble, and they hate it because they get in trouble over there. What about if you warn them and they want to make that decision to move forward with it? Well, you warn them and then it's so, okay. So it depends. Depends how you raise them. I'm just warning. Baruch Adonai Le'olam. Amen ve'amen. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.